Welcome to the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I'm sports editor Greg Kine, and with me is sports reporter Austin Huff. Austin, we're back for the, as you just referred to it, the Michael Jordan episode of our podcast, number 23. Yes, yes, the and, uh, our Jordan year, our Jordan right. podcast, yeah. Unfortunately, we planned our wardrobe together today, but we both have Bears shirts on, and Michael yeah. Jordan played for the Bulls, so we, we kind of got our signals on the same page, but kind of got them crossed a little bit, too. Yeah, like I said, we'll just beforehand, we'll call our Devin Hester podcast then. For 23, in honor of him, who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame someday, I would I would think. I would think. But as the greatest return man in, in professional football history. So I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, he's got, he the, was most, good, he's got the most touchdown returns, I should say, yeah. of anyone. He's got the numbers to say he's the best return man in the history of the game. So, yeah. But this is not, we're not here to debate Devin Hester's Hall of no, Fame credentials, no, we're not. I think. Uh, we could do that another day. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll, we bring Sheila on. You know, her opinion will matter a lot oh, in that yeah. debate. So. Hey, she, I want you to know before you walked in, she's so fired up for the sports podcast today. She was stretching her arms out, doing doing all kinds mm-hmm. of motions that we were getting ready. I think she's getting ready to come in into the bullpen in case I, we need relief in this podcast. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> trust me, when you and I, we get tired after like 20 minutes, you know, so I wouldn't mind having a little, like a tag team partner. Have her come in to the hot tag, have her finish the match <laughs> off. It'd be great. So, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it's been a, another, you know, another week in uh, paradise, so to yep. say, for lack of <laughs> We do have some movement, at least on the baseball front now. We do. We Sounds do. like there's going to be a baseball season. Uh-huh. Abbreviated as it is. 60, 60 games starting July 24th. Uh, camps start tomorrow, July 1st. Yeah. And specifically with the Cubs, they're going to have 39 players in Chicago at Wrigley doing training camp and 11 players in South Bend, actually. Right. So they will have some guys over in South Bend. The Obviously, the workouts are closed to the public. Uh, you know, yeah. not gonna really want people come in, spread coronavirus to the players. Potentially, right. they're calling it what a taxi squad. I yeah, think. so basically, eleven guys who are there that will could be called up pretty much at any moment. And I'm assuming, you know, of the 39 that are in Chicago, you know, 14 will be sent to the taxi squad as well. Eventually, giving them 25 on the main roster. Yeah. Uh, so this is like, you know. A, an abbreviated spring training slash summer training, you know, here we go. And then first games, July 23rd or 24th, or I think the first official game will be Nationals Yankees from what I I believe that's saw. what I saw too. Yeah. So, Cause they're talking about Garrett Cole being able to pitch the first game of the season. Right. Garrett Cole versus Max Scherzer to start the season. And Garrett Cole. I'm sorry. Garrett, Garrett Cole. Yeah. Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Yankees Nationals in DC to start yeah. the season. So, and I've, I've not heard of any Cubs players doing this yet, but there have been a few players that have opted out of playing this year because mm-hmm. of health concerns. And the biggest name probably is uh, Washington National outfielder, third baseman, Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's obviously been a, a very good player for right. the last 10, 15 years. Of his, he's like the original national player, you know. So yeah. And he wanted to stay home, He you know, citing health concerns and that well and i think a lot of it had to do with from what i read uh with his mother his mul- mother mm-hmm. has multiple sclerosis and he doesn't want to take the chance of being exposed to the virus and possibly exposing her so right under those circumstances i can see him wanting to be very cautious about it yeah of course you can under you can understand any player in any sport right now wanting to stay home I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be mad at them yeah. for trying to avoid. I mean, you're seeing uh, Ian Desmond also 
from the Rockies. He is not going to be playing as well. And you've seen it in the NBA, too. A couple players on the Nets are not going down to Orlando for their uh, spring or their, their resumption of their season. I think Spencer Dinwiddle, Din I think that's how you say his last name, is not going. DeAndre Jordan might not go as well. So you're seeing more and more do that. And I read a story the other day that uh, the guy that started this whole thing was Ricky, Uh, the first first player who tested positive for the Oh, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. He says he's still feeling effects from the virus to this day. And that's been months. Yeah, on March 11th. Yeah. (laughs) Never never forget. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. You just don't know. Yeah, and then obviously COVID hits people differently, everyone differently, and you've seen, like you said, Ruby still, Rudy Gobert still feeling it, and his teammate Donovan Mitchell got it, uh, but you know he sounds like he's doing okay, and obviously most, you know, ninety nine percent of the people who get COVID are recovering from it, which is you know good, obviously, yeah. but it's such a contagious virus that you know you don't want to potentially catch it and pass it along to someone who could potentially have you know more severe effects from getting the virus so you know all these it's just it's kind of crazy just because you know all these leagues are trying to come back right now and the NBA set was you know set on Orlando and they're going to try to quarantine everyone in that Walt Disney bubble basically and uh, now in Florida cases are going through the roof you know of coronavirus so they're kind of stuck the NHL maybe has been the smartest one of them all being like we're going to list 10 cities and then narrow it down to two once we get closer to the season resuming and it sounds like it's going to be Las Vegas as one of the cities and then maybe another city in 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 uh in Canada I don't know which one they might go with in Canada but maybe Toronto I think is what I heard hmm. so one in Toronto one in Vegas and I think they're trying to get different time zones so that way they can do you know two games in Toronto in the morning and then two games in Vegas whatever in the morning right just so like you could just just my my morning hockey fix. I'm just saying, I would turn on the TV at 10 a.m. if there's NHL playoff games on. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and same thing with the NBA. You're going to see them playing games all day. It's going to be like the NCAA tournament, you know, where you, those first couple days where you know you play five, there's four or five games going on at the same time all day. It's going to be awesome. I mean, if I, if if they play, of course. I don't know still, if you know this or not, but Sheila's eyes just lit up when you mentioned the fact that basketball might be on all day. I know. Uh, we we need to get a television in the sports office ASAP, I think. <laughs> we need to be able to get one in there so you and I could just watch games all day and then and then work, you know, air quotes by putting the paper together. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be weird going back to a normal schedule, Greg. If it all goes together. I if mean, it all goes together, yeah. Yeah, so. Still, I, I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I I'm don't know more, what to think. I'm more nervous now than I was like three weeks ago. Yeah. You know, just because you've seen the numbers spike, especially like if you want to shift it even to locally in Elkhart County, obviously we just had a new mask mandate come into effect this morning uh, of the day we're recording this podcast. Um and uh, that obviously throw th- throws things for a loop potentially with high school's return. Right. Uh, which they are planning on still going on Monday, July 6th here coming up. They want to still get back to action. And I know uh, I was at Goshen High School last night. Uh, Larry Kissinger, the athletic director, and some of the team, like the school athletic trainer and, and Goshen Orthopedics people were there to talk to some parents and athletes about the return 
to sports next week, which as of now is happening. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, who knows? By the time we get done recording this thing, it could be changed again. But well, you know, the thing that that bothers me and concerns and scares me sometimes is you get these teams that are getting together now again. And you look at the number of people that are being tested. I mean, Notre Dame was the exception with only one person. Right. You know, Clemson announced the other day they've got 37 football players that tested positive for the virus. It's crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, it is nervous when you, you know, when you bring everyone together. And, and obviously, you know, major universities, at pro teams, pro leagues can test as much as they can because they have the resources to be able to buy the tests right. and administer them and everything like that. At the high school level, that might not be the case. I mean, I don't know how many high schools can afford to buy numerous COVID tests for every athlete, every teacher, every yeah. whatever, and you're going to try bringing them all back. And, you know, the high school is doing everything they can. You know, Goshen has a has a sheet, like a daily, self, daily self-assessment sheet for each athlete that they have to go through before they leave their house to go potentially practice on the campus. They have to answer seven or eight questions. And if they answer yes to any of them, they can't go. Right. Like, and you know, there's part of it is you have to, there's a lot of responsibility within the athlete too there to like acknowledge that they have something going on and don't go. You know, I woke up one morning and I had a, a slight headache and that may be one of the symptoms, and I can't go. I might, you know, try to still go anyway, just because oh, I don't, I feel fine. This will go away. Yeah. You know, I'm just, you know, take some ibuprofen, and you know, but like maybe you shouldn't. Like, you know, it's going to be a lot of accountability. I guess that's the yeah. word I was looking for earlier. Accountability. I think on these athletes. G- gone are the old days of philosophy of rub some dirt on it, it'll be fine. <laughs> you know. Well, that's been long gone. I think for a while, especially well. Especially right now, you don't want to rub anything on you. Dirt might be contracting COVID too. I have no idea. You yeah. know, it could be in there. Uh, but it, it is, you know, we talked about it last month on the podcast, just the IHSAA's kind of plan to bring everything back. And the phase one starts Monday. And, you know, they're going to try to limit it, you know, 15 hours a week for athletes on campus. And uh, I broke it, it basically breaks down to like you could do nine hours of conditioning a week and six hours of skill training basically a week that's what it kind of breaks down to according to their you know rules and mm-hmm. obviously everything is voluntary you don't have to you don't have to go work out at the school if you don't want to so it's uh <laughs> yeah it we are you know we are finally here like you know we've known this day has been coming for a month now at least in, in Indiana with July 6th being right. the day and now we're kind of here and it's you know like Larry said last night on numerous occasions, we just got to cross our fingers and hope that this works and we can get back to playing sports. And hopefully if this plan goes, you know, as scheduled, we'll be back playing everything by August 15th. Girls golf can start playing on August 3rd, which is when their first meets are allowed to happen. But I think August 15th is to set the target date for soccer, volleyball, football, cross country like those types of sports so for the fall so we'll see <laughs> we will see that's right that's we'll all see. we can do so and uh, another uh, on the sad side another unfortunate yeah. incident of cancer in a in a Wawa C coach again yeah. I don't know yeah Andy, what's going on down there I don't know uh, Andy Kreider um, the Wawa C swim 
uh, swimming legend. He was a state champion, two-time state, individual state champion, 1994 Mental Attitude Award winner in the state that year as well. Coached at Wawasee, uh, head coached the high school girls team this past year, and was a, an eight worked in the school system for eight years as a coach. Uh, he passed away uh, this past Thursday from cancer, 45 years old. Yeah, all he was. He had a wife and three kids too, uh, which is just so sad. Um, and I've I have been talking to a lot of people that knew Andy this past week and, and trying to write a story about his life and his legacy at the school and and uh, it was pretty it's been pretty tough. I mean, you could hear it in everyone's voices, man, how how much they loved him and and how much of an impact Andy had on their lives. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously, obviously, I never saw him swim. Uh, he was a senior in high school before I was born, so you know not to pull the age card here, uh, but we're going to. And uh, you know, Greg, you were obviously you were doing part time stuff. I think still. Well, n- yeah, ninety four is the year I started here full time. Right, full time. So. so, so you were able to see them, and you, you knew about how good they were that those yeah. years. So, um, you know, what do you remember when watching Andy swim in high school, and and, and that Wawasee team as a whole finished second in the state in nineteen ninety four. He was he was a, a natural talent. Mm-hmm. It was just he was just one of those kids. I don't know how hard he had to work at the sport. He he was just <laughs> naturally talented. I think. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is I talked to uh, his high school coach Roger Carnes mm-hmm. yesterday, and he Roger actually now coaches at Lewis University in Illinois. Right. Uh, but Roger was talking about how he's had athletes who are just as talented as Andy, but they didn't work as hard. Where Andy, he had both. Like he worked hard. And he was that good. Like, yeah. he was just so talented. Uh, he told a kind of a funny story of when Andy was in middle school and Roger was still coaching at uh, Northwood at the time. And he watched Andy in junior high swim, like, the state championship junior high meets with a broken arm. He had the, Andy had a cast on his arm, like, t- tied a bag around the cast so it didn't get wet and still swam in the state like championship series like that's how much hmm. Andy was dedicated to the sport and Roger was like he was still swimming faster than my guys with the broken arm <laughs> so that, that sounds like those stories you could write a movie about that and nobody would believe it yeah yeah it was incredible uh you know just hearing the stories Roger Roger had and and talking to Jason Scott who coached with Andy the last eight years through the Wawasee program and they were he was the boys head coach this past year too and you could just hear the emotion like I said in their voices and uh, it was just it's so sad you could just you know people they all mentioned his laugh just how infectious his laugh was Mm -hmm. to be around and just how much he cared about the kids he was coaching and the sport and and his family and, and everything so uh you know sad stuff you know and he kind of mentioned at the top you know uh Second second coach down there who's got cancer, Tracy Walesa, has been battling cancer. She's been the, the uh, women's soccer coach there, a track coach at the high school, and uh, she's been going through her own health issues. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just sad. You know, you see these, these people are so young. You know, Tracy is pretty young. Like, she's still, you know, and Andy was only 45. So right. it's, it's sad, you know. It's just really, really sad. And, uh yeah, you know, especially when you see it, when it happens to a good people, you know, good people, you know, especially like people who have made an impact in communities. And, and who could have made more of an impact. Right, 
on kids' right. lives. Think of, think of all the years Andy had left, you know, still to coach, right? You know, he, he was, like I said, only 45. Like, he could have been at the school for another 15, 20 years coaching, swimming, and, yeah. you know, and he loved Wallace C, man, obviously, you know, graduate of the school and everything. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's just sad. You know, it is. It's just sad. So, and hopefully, uh, hopefully my story on him that can come out either at the end of this week or next week, depending on the schedule of events. Hopefully my, my story does it, does him, you know, justice. So that's my hope at least. So, yeah, it's kind of one of the, you know, reminds me of a, of a line out of the song, three wooden crosses Mm -hmm. where it says, it's not what you take with this we're out of this world when you leave, but it's what you leave behind. And Andy left a legacy behind and a love for swimming. He probably put in a lot of kids' hearts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. So, um, obviously, our thoughts are with the Crider family uh, during this time. I couldn't even imagine, you know. Uh, So, it's just got to be tough. But um, on a a lighter note, we can transition, hopefully, uh, to some more local-ish news. Uh, in the sports world, we had a, we've had a couple of girls basketball players recent uh, recently announced college commitments uh, to continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate Ruley from Northwood, uh, she was a senior this past year on the state championship team, and she's going to Grace College. So only 25 miles away from Northwood, not not too far. And uh, right. she cited that as a reason she wants her parents to be able to see her play uh, more games than not. So you know they'll be able to enjoy that, and obviously. Her and Maddie Payne were kind of that one-two dynamic duo down down low in the post for them last year, and yes. you know helped them win the state championship. When you got two six-footers in high school girls basketball, you're going you got a good shot to win. Yeah, and uh, that's what they did. So they went 28 and three, won a state championship, and uh, she actually finished with 879 points and 555 career rebounds in 88 varsity games. So that's pretty good numbers. Pretty good career. Yeah, pretty good career altogether. And then uh, also locally was J.C. Walker. She's a soon-to-be senior at Northridge. She's actually uh, going to Davenport University up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, she, you know, it's funny because uh, Kendall Swartout from Concord also committed to Davenport uh, earlier in the mm-hmm. spring. And J.C. mentioned that, yeah, we actually are, J.C. and uh, Kendall are, AAU teammates and they've grown up playing together. Their parents are friends, and uh, just funny that it worked out that way, where they're both going to college both now going. together. So they're going to be adversaries at least one more time on the basketball court when Concord and Northridge play next year, if they play next year. Who knows with the, <laughs> with the pandemic? Um, but and uh, but then they'll go off and play college and be teammates. Yeah. So go figure, huh? So and uh, Walker's a good player for them last year. She averaged almost 13 points, five. Five rebounds and and uh, two steals a game for them last year. Mm-hmm. So she's a good player. And cool. Northridge returns a lot of talent from last year's team. They kind of struggled a little bit last year. Had what? a brutal schedule. They went through some growing pains too because they had they lost a good senior class the right. year before. Right. I mean, they lost their first ever Division One girls basketball player. I mean, that's right. that's going to be tough to replace, obviously, with Morgan Litweiler. But yeah, they went through some growing pains and they were playing much better by the end of the year. Uh, that's for sure. And so uh, Walker's going to probably be like their top returning player next year. She's going to be right. one of the leaders on that team. So it should be interesting to see how they they progress into that second year. You know, I think 
they had a lot of parallels with Fairfield. Fairfield girls two years ago had just come off that semi-state run where they lost, you know, seven seniors and their top returner moved to, you know, Wyoming or (laughs) wherever. Yeah. (laughs) And so they struggled two years ago, but this past season, Brody got them, Brody Garber, the head coach, like Fairfield, they played much better this past year, had a good team, and, uh, you know, they, they did pretty well for themselves. And you might see that with Northridge this past, you know, this past year they struggled at times, but hopefully they can take the next step this upcoming year, contend potentially in that sectional. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who knows? It's going to be fun to follow that, who I knows? think. So yeah, girls basketball this upcoming year could be really interesting, just given a lot of changing changing of uh, personnel at Northwood and, and Northridge bringing back a lot of young young players and Goshen having Bryn Shoot Pill. And it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be an interesting girls basketball should season. Should be an interesting season, yeah. 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 And along those lines, uh, I've got a story that I'm, I'm actually doing an interview tomorrow on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking to Grace Hales, the former Westview standout who mm-hmm. wrapped up her career this year at Valparaiso University. Yeah, good player. Good player, yeah. <laughs> she, she was her leading scorer last year at 12.2 points per game. Started all 29 games of the season, and the Crusaders finished 17-12 and 12 with 9-9 nine nine in the Missouri Valley Conference. Were they, uh, were they, did their conference tournament get, get canceled because yes. of the, okay. Their last game was on March 7th, Saturday, March 7th. They played at Southern Illinois. They won 69 to 58 and Grace had 15 points on five to six shooting, including four or five three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Is she going to potentially take that fifth year or I don't think it goes I for. don't know if. That if, doesn't work for, I think, the basketball. Right? I don't think they do, they did that for basketball like they did for spring sports because okay. they got most of the basketball season in. Right, right. The only thing that the basketball season missed were tournaments at the end, right. the conference tournaments and NCAA NIT, things like yeah. that. So, yeah, okay. I mean, I didn't know if that if they had offered it up to basketball or not. I don't but, think they have, but that's one of the things I'll have to explore with her mm-hmm. when I talk to her tomorrow and so. see. Yeah, the Hales family, man, they're pretty good at basketball, aren't they? They are. All they the are. all the generations of Hales are going to be good. Are good. So Elijah had a nice season too at DePaul. DePaul, and yeah. uh, obviously he played really well with Westview a couple years ago. Um, and uh, their dad too, right? Ross, he was a pretty good player out in the in this area back in the day. So back in the day, yeah. He played at the- Goshen, correct? Or Westview? Did he play El- at Westview? No, he played at Elkhart Memorial. Elkhart Memorial. I'm sorry. I apologize to the Hales family. If we're not uh, remembering. And he actually history. ended up going to IU on a football scholarship. Wow. And was talked in one year to walking on the basketball team by Bob Knight, of all people. <laughs> well, so you know, Bob Knight, he's gonna he knows uh he knows his basketball talent, I think. He does. So, won a he couple does. won a couple games, you know, in the high, at the college level. Just a couple. Just a couple. Yeah. One or two national championships too, yeah. you know. You know, undefeated season, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know. So Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy and, uh, stuff. Another story I did last week that I had a lot of fun with was talking to Northwood graduate Mandy Yoder, mm-hmm. who went into the Bethel College Hall of Fame. Yeah. Heck which, of a career, too, there. Heck of a career there, yeah. <laughs> Back-to-back yeah. national champs at Bethel and uh, was, you know, originally went to Ferris State. Yes. And then was like, came back home to Bethel and one of the greatest players in Bethel history. It, uh, I thought it was funny during the uh, they taped the induction ceremony, so I was able to watch it on on my computer, and that was one of the things that her then coach at uh, Bethel, Jody Martinez, said about her. She said, uh, "Mandy made she broke my heart one time." <laughs> he said her final two decisions for a college choice were Ferris State and Bethel, 
She chose Ferris because they had the major that at that point in time she was thinking about uh, studying in college. And he told her, he said, I'll tell you the same thing I tell all the girls that don't commit to me. The door is always open. Mm -hmm. He said, if you go up to Ferris State, you don't like what you see, you don't want to stay. He said, you're always welcome here. And sure enough, she called him after that first year up at Ferris State and the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy to see what her numbers were in only three seasons at the school because in theory... I mean, she was top 10 in a lot of points, rebounds, assists, like steals. Like, she was yeah. really good. If she had potentially played at all four years, I mean, she could have gone down, like, statistically, as, like, well, the greatest player in program history. Yeah, because the only player that put up any numbers anywhere near her, Jody said, took four years to do it. Right. And Mandy did it in three. Right. I think that's a testament to her to her talent, you know, on the basketball court. So, yeah. And uh, if she had played all four, maybe, you know, maybe if she didn't break coach the coach's heart that one time, you know, stayed off, caught all four years, could have, yeah, could have been a national champ. So, or been all time, you know. There was one of the funny stories that came out of that watching Jody's introduction speech for her was when he was talking about the, the first game that she played there at Bethel. Yeah. He was really excited because the previous year they'd lost their whole starting five and their sixth player. So they didn't have a whole lot coming back from the previous year's team. Mandy decides to transfer in. Two other Division One players decide to transfer in. So Jody's thinking, hey, we're, we're going to have a powerhouse team. We got three former D1 players on our roster. He said, we practice and we practice for two months. We look good. They go out to their first game of the year and he's, he said they ended up losing by 44 points to St. Francis. And he <laughs> said, we're down by 40 points at one time. And he said, I learned one lesson I learned because uh, Jody played for two of the greatest coaches in Bethel men's basketball history, Homer Drew and Mike Lightfoot. Mm -hmm. And he said, the one thing I learned from those guys is as a coach, when you win, you take the credit. When you lose, you look for somebody else to blame. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he looked... When they were down by 40 points late in that game, he said, I looked at the bench, and he saw one of the assistant coaches there, and it happened to be Jody's wife's father. So it was it was Jody's father-in-law. Mm -hmm. He looks at him, he says, what are you smiling about? He said, this is all your fault. You were in charge of the defense. He said, we're down by 40 points. <laughs> he looks at another assistant coach, Christopher Hess, who I happenstance went into the Bethel College Hall of Fame in the same class as Mandy did this mm -hmm. year. He looks at her, him, and he says, what are you smiling about? He said, you were in charge of the guards. <laughs> uh, so right. It's great. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. Yeah. I, I would find people to blame too. Yeah. So. Jody said he was never one to talk to the teams long after losses like that. He said, I was always hungry. I wanted to go eat. <sighs> I feel that. So I can feel that on a spiritual I, level. I yeah. can agree with that comment myself, too. <laughs> He's, the next day, he said he went to practice, and because he had instilled Mandy as the point guard, of the, uh, the shooting guard of the team, mm -hmm. and another girl that had transferred in was the uh, shooting guard. Yeah. And he said, no, she was the point guard. Point guard, yeah. And he said he went up to Mandy, and he looked at Mandy, and he said, you're not a shooting guard. He said, "You're gonna. We're gonna move you to point. We're gonna switch you and Heather around." And he's. They went on to win the conference championship that year yeah. and qualify for the national tournament. And then the next two years after that, championship. Boom, championship. boom, yeah, yeah. So he said one of the things he remembers worked. about Mandy is she had the greatest one-handed pass. He said he's ever seen a girl 
basketball player would be able to make. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, obviously your numbers back up that skill level. So, yeah. uh, pretty worthy induction, I would say, to the Bethel would, Hall of Fame. So, And it, it, you know, Mandy going in started me thinking about other college Hall of Fame. So I did a story this past weekend. I think it was in Monday's paper about mm-hmm. local members in the Bethel College Hall of Fame. That include uh, Goshen principal and former boys basketball coach Brian Bechtel mm-hmm. and some people along those lines. Yesterday I started working on another college connections for other schools in the area that mm-hmm. have uh, Hall of Fames and looking at their students. And mm-hmm. uh, Huntington is one of the schools I looked at. And we've got uh, Brody Garber. And his wife, Amy Bechtel-Garber, are both in the Huntington Hall of Fame. They're also Mm -hmm. both in the Elkhart County Hall of Fame, Sports Hall of Fame. There you go. And uh, Amy is still number two on the all-time Huntington career scoring list with 2,019 points. Wow. That's that's good. That's crazy. It is. When 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 did she play? What what was her career? Do you like the the list? What years? Um, would have been like ninety, ninety four to ninety eight or somewhere around there. Twenty five years. Yeah, being number two is pretty solid. Yeah, you know. And she still is the leader in in career field goal percentage at fifty four point four percent. It's efficient. That is very efficient. It is efficient. Yeah. And uh, Ball State was another one I looked at yesterday, and I found an interesting man who happened to be one of our guests on the podcast a while back, Jim Hahn. Really. Is a member of the Bethel or the uh, Ball, Ball State. State Athletic Hall of Fame. Wow! He played for the Cardinals for four years, from 1976 to 1979. Wow! Was a th- four-year letter winner, a three-year captain, and get this—he still holds the career assist record there with 573 assists in his career. Wow! Jim Hahn. And his single-season total of 170 is still the, the fourth-best-ever season total in school history. Wow. I think that needs to be on our end-of-season trivia for, uh, for uh, you think? Sheila. I mean, which, which former podcast guest is in the Ball State Hall of Fame? We've only had three guests, so it would be really hard to get. Yeah. <laughs> you got a thirty-three percent chance we'll, of getting it right. We'll give her four chances, and her first three don't count. That? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm down. Couple, so. couple other former Goshen High School football coaches are in the Hall of Fame down there at Ball State. Uh, Brett Baldwin, mm-hmm. who unfortunately only coached one year here, but he still holds the career pass percentage record down there at Ball State at sixty-seven point sixty-five point seven percent. Wow. Wow, that's that's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> and another guy, Frank Houck, a fo- Goshen mm-hmm. football coach from uh, 1971 to 1973, and he was the coach that was in between Bill Doba, a Goshen legend, mm-hmm. and Ken Meyer. So those three mm-hmm. years in between Bill Doba and Ken Meyer <laughs> was Frank Houck's tenure. It's not there. bad. I mean, yeah. He's kind of, he's almost kind of like the forgotten coach in that sense. But, yeah. I mean, obviously. He's I still mean, gonna... you're, you're sandwiched in between two legends there in Goshen. And, right. You know. And he's also a legend in himself. I mean, Hall of Famer at Ball State. He, so. was, he was the quarterback and was the MVP in the Grantland Rice Bowl when Ball State and Tennessee State tied 14-14. Wow. His senior season. Remember when ties still existed in college football? Yes. That was fun. Yeah. And another guy who uh, – it was a, a long-time Goshen assistant coach, Jim Fend, the man who Fenfield is named after. Fenfield, there you go. He was a 1940 Ball State graduate, 
Played there from 37 to 40, and his nickname was the Goshen Ghost. <laughs> it's like, everyone had like a nickname of like the ghost of something, like the Galloping Ghost. ghost I was, mean, like there's too Red many Grange. ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, the too Goshen many, Ghost. Too many ghost nicknames. If you're yeah. from a city with the letter G, like, good luck. You yeah. Know? So, well, that's it, cool. I'm looking forward to it. He was actually more. a two-time, uh, back then they had all-state college teams, apparently. Huh. He was huh. a two-time all-state college player. Is actually the top scorer in 1938 with 61 points. Wow, boy, boy have uh, the times changed. Yeah, the time six. You could score 61 in a game now. I mean, that's what NBA players could do at this point. So 61 yeah. in a season—that's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading more about that. It's yeah, be interesting it's, read. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I had no idea some of those people were in the Hall of Fame down there. Yeah, I always enjoy reading the uh, those types of stories you put together because I like learning about the history of people from our area and figuring out where everyone's from, what they did, and yeah, I think it's kind of cool. I think people like reading about that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. awesome. Well, okay, I am good. All I right. think that for this week, Greg, I got nothing else I really wanted to hit up. I, on, I have so. one more. I have Whoa, our, our baseball. I have our baseball fact for today. Write this down, Sheila. On June 29th, and no, Austin, I did not cover this game, 1908. What? Cy Young, at the age of 41 years and three months, threw the third no-hitter of his baseball career against the New York Highlanders. Huh. Interesting. And interesting, the Highlanders are the team that went on to become the New York Yankees. Huh. A team most people have probably heard of. I think they A time or two, yeah. Sheila? You've heard the, she's heard of the Yankees. All right. Okay. Cy Young, you know, he's probably got the one, one of the few records in sports that'll never be touched. It's his total wins, 511 as a baseball pitcher. <laughs> well, guys don't even start 511 games anymore. And he, I think he also lost like 360 games. So that yeah. I don't see that record being touched either. Yeah, yeah. That would be pretty impressive if so someone lost you, that many games. You know you're pitching a lot of baseball games when you hold the all-time wins record and the all-time losses record. <laughs> it was a different era, that's for sure. That's 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 for certain. But yeah, I don't think either of those are going to be touched ever. I, I don't see. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cy Young. Wow. Third no-hitter on this day. 112 years ago. Yep. Math. It's hard. You get your gold star for the day. Thank you. (laughs) All right, folks, that'll wrap up another edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast, and tune in next week for another episode. 